Well, good morning again, friends. Uh, welcome to Cornerstone. If we have not met, my name is David, and I serve as a senior pastor here, and it's a joy to, to welcome you as we begin this new series, Meeting Jesus Again for the First Time. Uh, as you heard, it's a super series for us, which means that we have put together uh, some small group curriculum to go along with uh, the series that we're walking through as we move through the Gospel of Luke. Uh, what you need for this series is this. You need a Bible. That's all you need. All you need is a Bible, uh, whether it's uh, going through your readings on your own or with your small group. There's, uh, there's not a guide. I do want to point out something that we have uh, in the atrium if you want to pick that up. We have put together uh, some First Methodist Mansfield journals if you want to pick one of these up. Uh, uh, I would encourage you to participate uh, in the practice of journaling. Maybe it's something you'd bring and you, when you take notes uh, on the weekend or you can bring it to your small group. Uh, uh, know that just because your journal has First Methodist Mansfield, it's not a magic journal, okay? It's not going to magically make you more spiritual more smart, but if you want one that has uh, our church logo on that, you can get that uh, outside. And there's something else that I know many of you have been waiting for. Uh, in September, we, we had these stickers uh, that, that has our, our logo on it. And, and many of you who are like me, you picked it up and you put it everywhere because because, I mean, let's be honest, you're obnoxious like I am. You, you wanted a really big sticker. I have six of these on my car. But then there are others of you, you're, you're the more subtle, right? You're, 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 you're a little bit more sophisticated than myself, and so you, you wanted something more like this. So we got some smaller stickers. So, and, and I want you to know, I'm so excited these are here because this has solved a really significant issue in, in my life personally. Uh, my executive assistant, Betsy Peek, uh, uh, go ahead and wave your hand, Betsy. This is a great story. You're going to love this. Uh, she refuses to put this on her car. It's just too big, she says. So I, she was the first one. I just took one over there to her. So if you, if you want something a little more subtle, I mean, if you just sort of like the church, not that much, but this much. <laughs> this is a... Uh, these are, these are available, so uh, I think this is the only one of the big ones we have left, but, uh, but we have some of those out there uh, as well. If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to Luke chapter 1. Uh, as you do, uh, many of you know that we had a team that came back from India last Thursday, not Thursday, but the Thursday before last. Uh, I don't have time to tell you everything about what the work that they did. They went to connect with the orphans and, and vulnerable children that we are supporting in partnership with Zoe Ministry in India. Uh, and, and while I don't have time to tell you everything, I did want you to see a little bit about that, what that trip was about. I wanted you to, to have a chance to experience uh, the beautiful place and the beautiful people that they had uh, a chance to visit. So, so watch this video real quick. There is, uh, there's much more to, to share about that, but I, but I want you to feel a sense of, of joy and pride that, that you, uh, if you're a member here, uh, if you're a regular attender here, that you're a part of a church that believes in, in doing great things all around the world. And if you're brand new, that's just a picture of who, who we are uh, as a family of faith. Uh, Luke chapter 1 is where we're going to be today. Uh, if you did not bring your Bible with you, there's a blue Bible in the seat pocket in front of you, and you will find Luke chapter 1 on page 1589 in that blue Bible. I want to encourage you to find that. Uh, some of you know that in February of next year, I'm going to be leading a trip uh, to the Holy Land to visit the, the land where Jesus lived out his days. We still have room if you want to come. Uh, and if you're wondering if it's safe, I'm taking my 14-year-old daughter next time. So, and I'm a risk-averse person. So it's, it's a completely safe trip. I've gone twice before. Uh, and one of the great things about uh, that trip is not only, I mean, as you can imagine, it's a life-changing experience, uh, the chance to share that 
with many of you has been a great joy in my life. But, but when you go, you are led by a, a guide who takes you to all of these different places. And I've gone twice. We've had two different guides. And they've really been two quite different experiences because of uh, the person who led us to each of the places that we visited along the way. The first year I went, uh, 2014, uh, we were guided by a young man named Deeb. Uh, Deeb uh, is a Palestinian Christian. Uh, he's been doing these tours in the Holy Land for uh, over a decade. This is actually a picture of him at Qumran where the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, were, were found. And I enjoyed over the course of, of uh, that trip to not only have a chance to see these places for the first time, but also uh, to get to know Deeb, to hear a little bit more about his own story about his own life or what it's like to be a, a Palestinian Christian who grew up in Jerusalem, who, who grew up having friends who were Jews and friends who were Muslims and, and people in that community all sharing this sacred space called Jerusalem and learning to live in peace. You might be surprised to hear that it's not quite what we would expect it to be uh, when you talk to people who live there and that's their life. It's a, it's a little bit different. And so going to each of these sites in the Holy Land that correspond to the life and ministry of Jesus, I I mean, that was really neat, but it was also enriching, uh, it was enriched by the fact that, that I had the chance to, to, to take that journey as, as Deeb led us, as, as, I, as I experienced it through the lens of his experience and, and what it's like for him to live as a person of faith in a, in a very different context than, than I live each and every day. Uh, last February, we went again, and, and we had a very different guide. Uh, we had a, a man named Hillel. This is, this is Hillel right here. Uh, Hillel is older than Deeb. Uh, Hillel was actually born and raised here in the States, in the Midwest. And uh, after high school, while he was kind of trying to find himself, you know, we sometimes find ourselves in that place in our life where we just need to, to figure out which way we're going, he decided to go spend some time with some of his Jewish relatives who were living in Israel. And a month turned into two months, and two months turned into six months, and six months turned into a year, and then he met a girl. And you know how that goes. You know, life changed at that point. He, he fell in love with a, a young Jewish girl named Hannah, uh, and, and now, over 40 years later, he's, he's still there in Israel, finding himself still. But for, for over four decades, both he and Hannah, his wife, have been leading people, thousands and thousands of people all over uh, the Holy Land, taking them to these, to these sacred sites. One of the things that Hillel expressed to me uh, as an American citizen who is also an Israeli citizen, he has, he has dual citizenship, he, he expressed to me that one of the reasons that he, he stays there, that, that he feels called to be there is not only because he has the, the joy of leading people to all of these different places, but, but he lives there to be a person of peace in a place that we know is, is, is sometimes a place that's marked by conflict or we think of as a place of conflict. And, and so here's what I want you to hear. You know, you, you, we went to all the same places. Uh, we saw all the same sites. We, we walked and uh, it, the, the journey that, that Jesus had walked. We, we went to Jerusalem. We went to Nazareth. We went to Bethlehem. We, we went to all of these different places. It was, you would think, the exact same trip and yet it was, it was so very different because of the person who guided us to each of those places and the way in which they each brought their own perspective, their own part of their story to the experience of walking through the Holy Land. Now here's why I wanted to start there, because number one, we are beginning a journey this week. 
We are beginning a journey, a pilgrimage, uh, and as you saw in the video, it is not a pilgrimage or a journey to a particular place, but rather to a person. We are in the season of Lent, we are walking with Jesus to the cross as we do each and every year, and we're going to do that through the Gospel of Luke. That's the first reason I want you to think of this as a journey, as a pilgrimage that we are all going to be on together. But the other reason is, as you think about Deeb and Hillel and the unique experience that they have each had in their life and the way in which they bring that to this process of guiding people to all of these different places, I hope that will give you a framework for thinking about why, when we turn to the New Testament, we would find four accounts of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John each share with us the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And if you're familiar with the Gospels, you will know that they each do it in a little different way. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are more similar. John is a bit different in the way that he tells the story. If you get together on Christmas morning and you want to read the Christmas story, make sure you turn to Matthew or Luke because they're the ones you're familiar with. If you turn to John, he will tell you the story, but he doesn't talk about no room at the end and a manger in Bethlehem. He speaks about the significance of the birth. Mark skips that part of the story altogether. Not because he didn't believe that Jesus was born. He just doesn't tell that part of the story in the way that he shares it. And so when we look at each of these four accounts, what we recognize is that our understanding of who Jesus is, who he was and who he is and who he calls us to be, our understanding is enriched by the fact that each of these four men said yes to sharing this story. And and so as we move through this journey, this pilgrimage, we have the joy of being led by a particular guide, a guide by the name of Luke. And so we're going to look at the first four verses of of Luke's gospel, and we're going to talk a little bit about Luke, who he was, what it was that led him to writing this gospel, because I believe that as you hear this, this will add value to you as you move through this journey. So let's start with uh, the first few verses of Luke uh, chapter 1. Here's what Luke says in the the beginning. He says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. Let me point out a few things to you. The first thing is uh, this person, Theophilus. If, if you've read the Gospels before, there's probably some names that are familiar to you. You've, you've probably heard about Peter. And you probably know that Peter's referred to actually by several different names. He's referred to as Simon or Simon Peter. And in some of of Paul's writing, he's referred to as Cephas. But you kind of know that's Peter. He's a very important character. You've heard about James and John and and, and all these other characters that are familiar to you. You, I, I bet you haven't heard of Theophilus. In fact, some of you are probably thinking, oh my gosh, I missed something. You know, I need to go back to Sunday school. I have no idea who Theophilus was. That's, it is okay because here's the deal. This is the only time that Theophilus is mentioned. 
We don't know who this guy is. We don't know who Luke uh, means when, when, as he addresses it to this, to this individual, uh, at least that's how it's pre- uh, presented to us, named, uh, named Theophilus. But here, here's kind of an interesting note. Theophilus literally means friend of God. And so some have speculated that maybe Theophilus isn't a particular individual to which Luke writes. Maybe it represents all of us. Maybe what Luke is saying is any who would see themselves as friends of God, lean in because you need to hear, you need to hear this, this, this story. But here's what we know with certainty. Luke is articulating why he has made the decision to write his gospel. And what he says is, I have carefully investigated everything from the beginning and he wants those who read his gospel to know, they know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. So again, you have Matthew, you have Mark, you have Luke, and you have John, and they all tell the story in a little bit different way, but they all seek to take us to the same destination. They seek to bring us to the person of Jesus. They seek to introduce him to us as the Messiah, the Savior and Lord, and they mean to confront us with the decision, uh, the choice of how we will receive him and understand him uh, as in, this, uh, in this particular way. So let's talk a little bit about who, who Luke was uh, and why he made a decision to write his gospel. The first thing that may surprise you is that Luke actually was not one of the original disciples of Jesus. Now, you may have thought Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's, that's four of the twelve, but, but that's actually, not, that's not the case. Matthew and John were both uh, part of the original disciples. Mark and Luke were not. Not only was he not one of the original disciples, Luke was also not one of the eyewitnesses of the ministry of Jesus. He says, uh, look back at verse 2, he says, these are the things that have been handed down to us from the first eyewitnesses. So, so why is he writing this story? Well, the reason is because Luke was a companion of Paul. That, that name maybe rings a bell with you. Paul was one of the most prolific writers and pastors in the early church. Paul's ministry took the gospel of Jesus from Jerusalem, from the, the small area there where, where this movement started, and through the ministry of Paul and the other people that he sent out, it spread all throughout the Roman world. And so Luke, as one of the companions of Paul, listened to, to what he got to do. Luke got to rub shoulders with people like Peter and James, and Barnabas, and Lydia, and Timothy, and Apollos, and Epaphras, and Silas, and Priscilla, and John Mark. And so all of these individuals, many of whom were eyewitnesses to the life of Jesus, to the death of Jesus, and who were eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus, Luke got to spend time with them. And so we can imagine Paul and Luke coming into Jerusalem to to reconnect with the leaders of the church there. And Luke again pulling Peter aside and saying, hey, can you tell me that story again? I want to hear about what was it like when you stepped out of that boat? What did you, what did you feel? What did the wind sound like? Why, what did Jesus say when you began to sink? 
Tell me again about that night when he was arrested. Tell me, tell me again about what it was like to stand outside the house of Caiaphas and to be, be so afraid of what would happen to Jesus. Luke had the opportunity to rub shoulders with all of these individuals. Uh, the other thing that, that Paul tells us is, this is just kind of an interesting note, that Luke uh, is identified by Paul in Colossians as a physician. Now think about this. Luke was a companion of Paul. He traveled with him all throughout the Roman world. We know that Paul was frequently persecuted. He was frequently physically abused. He spent a great deal of his time in prison. And so it's not a stretch for us to assume that Luke as a physician was one of the individuals who took care of Paul, who nursed Paul, who, who helped him to restore him to physical health when he found himself beaten uh, almost to the end of his life, which again Paul shares in some of his other writings. And so think about it this way, if you've read the book of Romans, that's just a few books over from the Gospel of Luke, it's right after Acts, the second volume that Luke writes, Romans was written near the end of Paul's life. And so again, it's not a stretch for us to think that part of what Luke did was he extended the life of Paul. And had he not done that, we may not have Romans today. We may not have this great work because, because of what Luke offered to Paul and the way that he cared for him. And here's the last thing that we don't know with certainty, but some speculate that Luke may have been a Gentile convert. In other words, Luke may have been one of the many people who, again, in that first generation of followers, who did not come from the same background that Paul came from, or the background that Peter came from, or even Jesus himself. He wasn't raised a Jew, but was rather a Gentile who was converted and became a follower of Jesus. It would make sense to assume that Paul, who saw himself as the leader of the ministry to the Gentiles, would travel with a Gentile convert. There's other things in Luke's gospel that, that lead us to speculate on this. For instance, you, you know the phrase, the least, the last, and the lost? Well, that's in the Gospel of Luke. You know the parable of the Good Samaritan? That's in the Gospel of Luke. In the Gospel of Luke, Luke emphasizes the, the ministry of, of women within the ministry of Jesus as well as the ministry of the early church. All throughout the Gospel of Luke, he has a sensitivity to telling us the story of the outsiders who came to Jesus. And maybe that's because Luke knew what it was like to be an outsider. Luke knew what it was like to be welcomed into this new and, and larger family of faith that wasn't just about the Jews, but was rather this expanded family because the embrace of God was, was widened in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Now, now why, why share all this with you? Well, first off, this is not going to be on a pop quiz, okay? Like, it's not, you don't have to fill anything out before you come to church next week. Uh, if, when, when you get to heaven, this is not, this is not the, what you're going to be asked, okay? But I do hope that as you move through the gospel of Luke, that, that understanding a little bit more about his background and his story, that it might enhance your journey, and also among all of these things that you would know that, that, that uh, uh, as you think about who Luke was and, and his unique background, that you would also know that what we know with certainty about Luke is that the Holy Spirit moved in his life and asked him to share the story. And Luke 
said yes. Luke said yes. He wasn't one of the original disciples. He he wasn't an eyewitness. Maybe there was somewhere in him that thought, I don't know, maybe somebody else should write this. Because he was a real person just like you, right? You ever thought that? Oh, someone should do something about that. Maybe that was Luke's original thought. And yet he had the, the great honor of rubbing shoulders with all of these eyewitnesses. And so along the way in 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 following the leading of the Spirit, he said yes and he shared his story. And because he did, because he did, we have today preserved for us a fuller picture of who Jesus was, who Jesus is, and what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus. I hope an understanding of that will enhance your understanding of, of this story but also it will lead you to think about that as we move through this story, as we share this this journey together, that we are blessed because others have shared with us. We're blessed because Matthew said yes. We're blessed because Mark said yes. We're blessed because Luke said yes. We're blessed because John said yes. We're blessed because throughout the scope of of Christian history, these sacred writings have been preserved for us so that we today can study them and lean in and seek to understand again in a deeper way who Christ is and who Christ has called us to be. And as you think about the courage of those who shared all the way back to that hillside when Jesus said, go and share the story. I hope that inspires you to have the courage to share the story with others as well. Here's what we've said this journey is about. We want to do three things as we move through this series. First, we want to read the story. So if you haven't picked up your bookmark that has the readings in the Gospel of Luke that we're going to be working through over the next 40 days, I want you to get that. If if we run out of bookmarks in the back, we have that uh, online. You can find that on my blog. It has it all lined out for you. This is what we're going to do together. We're going to read through Luke's Gospel. If you've decided to give up chocolate for Lent, eat all the chocolate you want instead and read the Gospel of Luke. It will do more for you, I promise. Read the story. I want you to do that. I want you to come to church. I want you to hear the story. I want you to hear us as we look at the passages that you have read in the week leading up to church that weekend. You'll you'll have the chance to hear about things that you yourself have studied and you've you've read and you've reflected on. That's that's an important part. We hope that adds a layer of understanding. But but here's the last thing. We We want you to share the story. So if you and your spouse are reading through the Gospel of Luke together, It shouldn't be a secret. I want to encourage you to talk about it, to share with one another. What are your reflections? What are your insights? What are the questions that you have? What are you learning about Jesus along the way? What what might have surprised you uh, as you you found yourself in chapter 4 or chapter 5 or wherever you are along the way? We want you to gather with a small group of people. You may already be in a small group. You may have been in a small group and it died. And, and you may not have been the leader of that group, but today you might be the one who sends the email that says, hey, let's get back together because we need to share this journey together. 
You might start a new group. You, you might be in a Sunday school class that is working through this together, or your Sunday school class may be studying something else, which is totally fine, and so you might get together with a group of your friends and, 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 and share. But whatever you do, if you miss this part, you'll miss, you'll miss part of what this journey is all about. Because the blessing of a journey is not just that it's something that we get to go on individually. The blessing of a journey is that we go on it together. And just as your life and my life would be lacking if Luke had not had the courage to say yes, what I want to challenge you to think about today is that there are people in your life whose own lives would also be lacking if you don't have the courage to share this story with them as well. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to, 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 to have, have it all straight. You don't know how to pronounce. You don't, don't have to know how to pronounce all the names that you find or all the places uh, that, that, that you will read about. Uh, you don't have to fear sitting there in the small group thinking, well, everybody else knows the answer to this question and I don't, so I probably shouldn't say anything. Because if you are brand new to the story, you bring something of great value. You bring your own fresh eyes and fresh questions. And what you might share may be the thing that sparks an idea or an insight in the life of someone else. The journey, the journey that we're on, it's an exciting and wonderful journey to go to this, this destination. But what makes it so special is that we get to share it with one another. And so I hope that as we begin that you will give thanks today for, for people like, like Luke and others who, who first recorded this account, but also you will recognize that you have the same calling in your life to share this story with others. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, we give you thanks for the blessing of sharing life together. And as we think about this body of believers that we have the joy to be a part of, we, we remember that we are united here by your sacrifice and by your love. And so today, Lord, we are honored to come to this table, the table of your grace, to remember again the last supper that you share with your disciples, the, the remembrance, Lord, of, of the, the images and symbols that you shared to, for us to remember the great sacrifice that you have made on our behalf. And so we pray, Lord, that now you would pour out your Holy Spirit on these gifts of bread and juice, that as we receive them together as a family, that we may be reminded that we are the body of Christ and that we have been redeemed by Christ's blood. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.